Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome to the first edition, first episode of the Blue Note podcast. One-stop shop for all things St. Louis Blues and the Believe Network. It's episode one, which means, you know, Brian Elliott, Glenn Hall, Mike Liute podcast, all players that wore number one with the St. Louis Blues. So it's their episode. So we'll, we'll kind of dedicate this to them. Uh, Ethan Carter here with you. Mike Meyer, my co-host for this. Mike, very excited to do this. Uh, how are you feeling about this podcast? You know, I'm excited. I'm ready to bring Blues fans some content here that they may be a little bit familiar with and some content that they have never been uh, told here about here. So, you know, ready to be able to give Blues fans the content here that they deserve. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be great. Uh, we're going to have a lot of different things that we're going to do on this podcast. I think one thing that we look forward to is getting you ready for the postseason because the playoffs begin uh, tomorrow. I guess today from when I'm uploading this, I suppose uh, Monday, May 2nd, the beginning of the playoffs is when we will upload this. Um, and it's going to be exciting because we'll have the playoffs and then we'll go into the offseason. We want to get a lot of guests on and maybe different Blues fans joining us as well throughout different episodes of the podcast. But we're really excited to do this, the Blue Note podcast. And uh, let me just plug the Twitter account that we have real quick. At uh, TBN pod is the Twitter at. You can tweet us whatever you want. We'll tweet during games, after games before games, the whole the whole bit there. Um, and uh, we're really excited to do this. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. So the season is over, the regular season. The Blues finished 49, 22, and 11, 109 points, finishing fourth in the Western Conference, ninth overall in the NHL, of course, third in the Central Division. Um, in terms of preseason expectations, how do you feel about a 109-point season? I feel great. You know, we went into this season not really knowing exactly where they're going to contend. This uh, central division was always going to be tough. It was going to have a lot of question marks here surrounding it, and we knew it was going to be a bloodbath here going in. And the fact that the Blues were able to come out of it, again, 42, 49, 22, and 11 with 109 points, uh, you know, that's that's roughly in a round where I was hoping for them to be, um, if not slightly here above. So, um, you know, the fact that they were able to come out that, that hard, far in advance, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I think anytime you get a hundred point season, it's kind of, you know, a very big success. I think there's a lot of ups, ups and downs, obviously the big point streak in April to really propel them to where they are. I think they wouldn't be, they'd probably still be in third place in the division, but they probably wouldn't be a 109 point team without how hot they got. Uh, right. But I think there was a, a lot of reasons for that, whether it was, you know, Bennington finally starting to find his game a little bit, uh, Vili Huso, he came back down to earth a little bit, but you had to expect it. Um, and what he did all season really carried the team for a good month or two there when the uh, offense maybe wasn't going as well as it, as it you know, did uh, down the stretch. But uh, let's do this now. Uh, the biggest surprises of the season. And we'll start with your biggest surprises of the season. Boy, uh, there's any sort of number here of them. Um, you know, it's the resurgence of Tarasenko. Is, is I think one of the biggest ones here off the tip of my tongue here, the coming out party for Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, you know, especially here after the all-star game, you know, we saw Jordan Cairo here as one of the fastest skaters or taking the title here, a fastest skater. Um, Robert Thomas looking like one of the most elite centermen 
here in the National Hockey League and one of the best passers here in the National Hockey League. But for me, the biggest surprise here has got to be Ivan Barbashev. You know, we penciled him in for probably somewhere in around 40 points. Um, you know, it would not have been my surprise or not, would not have been a surprise here to me to see him roughly in around that area, been a solid third line. But when he spent most of his time roughly on that first to second pairing, um, you know, and eclipsing 60 points, boy, I don't think any single person could say, yep, yep. You know, we can be able to definitely give Robert or um, Ivan Barbashev here 60 plus points. So um, biggest surprises here for me has got to be Ivan Barbashev. I would agree with that. I think 60 points for him is never something that I would have seen coming. 50, you could talk me into before right. a season, but 60 is just next level. And he obviously was really, really good point per game guy for the first couple months. You know, he's obviously going to slow down a little bit. Uh, he was playing with, you know, Buchnevich and Tarasenko for a while. They were really good together, but then they threw Thomas in that mix, just took it to a different level. But uh, anytime that you have a guy playing on your third line, let alone two guys, Jordan Cairo is a 70-plus point guy playing on the third line, and Barbashev a 60-point guy playing on the third line with Braden Shin, who had 24 goals. So uh, that kind of makes this four group lethal when their third line is producing at that level. Uh, but I would also throw Justin Falk into the mix. 16-goal season, um, one of his best offensive seasons of his career, I believe second in terms of points. I think he had a couple more points in a season with the Hurricanes before obviously being traded to St. Louis a couple years ago. And I, I was a little bit worried. The first you know season for Falk was rough. The second one last season was solid. This season he was really, really good. I think you could make an absolute argument that I think a lot of Blues fans and, and analysts would agree with that he was the best defenseman on the team overall. I think – the only competition for that is Tory Krug, and and Falk stayed healthy all season. He scored 16 goals, and um, just a great season for him. And that trade looks a lot better now than it did a couple of years ago, especially since Dominic Bach really hasn't done much with the Hurricanes at all. So uh, I think that's a, a guy you got to throw in there. And then finally, uh, Billy Huso. I mean, coming into the season, it's like, is he good enough to be in the NHL? And he wins 25 games and has a 919 save percentage and carried a save percentage above 920 for most of the season. I think he's got to be thrown into the conversation. Um, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that Billy Huso would be the game one starter in the first round of the playoffs, I would have said, I really doubt it. And I also would have said, is Biddington hurt? So um, absolutely, I think Huso has got to be thrown in there. So, uh, but then you, now you go to disappointments where I think a lot of the fan base is on board with the surprise candidates. But disappointments, I think there's a lot of different ways that the fans and maybe we could go. So disappointments, what do you what do you have there? This one was tough here for me. You know, um, again, we could have gone plenty of different directions here, but you know, um, I did not want. I don't want to be able to understate this here that I was extremely um, surprised here with what he was able to still accomplish, given the fact that again, you know, these guys are all coming off of. COVID seasons, you know, shortened seasons, lack of travel, um, lack of sleep here at times. But um, for me, my biggest disappointment had to be Ryan O'Reilly. Um, you know, there was he, there was plenty that he did that did not appear here on the score sheet. But as the captain, as the number one center here for this team, um, he, he, in my opinion, just needed to do more. His stats here this year were actually fairly similar to what he did in 2017, 2018 with Buffalo. Um, 21 goals, 58 points here this season, 2017, 2018, he, re he recorded 24 goals and 61 points. So it's not to say that he is regressing here completely, but again, for me, 
as that guy, as the captain, as the leader, he needs to be showing up more here on the score sheet. Um, again, he's doing plenty of intangibles that are not going to show up here on the score sheet. He's winning battles. He is making the passes, setting up the plays. He is breaking up the plays here in his own zone. Um, again, that's that's all stuff that you're not going to see here on just the common score sheet. So as a disappointment, it is not one that I am disappointed with Ryan O'Reilly's season. It's one that I was hoping for that we would see another 70, 80 points here out of him. So, um, you know, not really even eclipsing 60 points here. It had to be the slight disappointment here for me. I agree with some of those points. The thing for me with O'Reilly is, well, let me just ask you this. How much of this pick had to do with what Tage Thompson did this season? Like, did you factor that in at all? Nothing. No, okay. no. I, I try to stay completely unbiased here. Tage has been a man possessed for the Buffalo Sabres. I love to see I'm that too. Yeah. And I am extremely happy to be able to see Tage take that other step here. You know, I was really worried that Tage was not going to be able to take that step. And Buffalo was really, really, really going to regret making that trade. Um, but no, that had nothing to do here with my decision. Okay. I, I think that I, I don't think I would categorize O'Reilly disappointing. I just think that his production was down. I think at some point he was going to slow down, but I definitely think that there was a lot to be desired this season. And I also think that he had the COVID issues early in the season where he missed time. And I think that some of the heat is off of him because of how good the other two lines were for the blues in the top nine. And also Saad and Perron were fairly, I mean, Perron, you could make arguments about his consistency, but Saad was pretty consistent this season. So um, let's just hope that the best is yet to come for O'Reilly. Cause obviously he's shown up in the playoffs. I mean, Clearly, he can be yes. your X factor. He can yeah. be your one of your biggest X factors here going into the playoffs. And if he is going to be, if he's going to actually start picking it up here, which you know we have seen him scoring a lot more, we've seen him uh, making some great plays and some great assists here. So you know Ryan O'Reilly, I think, could be one of the biggest X factors here going into the going into the postseason. Yeah, I mean, finish the season with four goals in two games to get to twenty one. So mm-hmm. uh, that was big. I mean, I think the disappointment for me is just. Colton Pareko, like his numbers were better this season, I think, than last season, but he just never. And I think some of it is the the expectations because of the contract now, because of letting Petrangelo walk and trying to get him to be the number one guy. And we saw flashes of that. I mean, when he was playing with Jay Bowmeister, and obviously what happened to Bowmeister is unfortunate, but when he was playing with him in 2019, the second half of that season, at least the first half for Bowmeister especially was rough. But when those two were together, it was like, that's your shutdown pair. Mm-hmm. Those, those are the guys you're going to throw out there against Bergeron's line. That's the guys you're going to throw out there against Tyler Sagan's line that year, or, you know, uh, Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, those types. That's who you're going to throw out there, those two guys. And and Pareko just hasn't become that. And I don't know how much we should blame Doug Armstrong for not really getting him a guy that fits well with him. Like Scandella, Scandella is the ultimate, gets traded at the deadline in 2020, is good after being traded to St. Louis. COVID hits, bubble, he's awful, and he's never recovered since then. And the contract just looks bad. So I think that's part of yep. what's hurting Pareko is he doesn't really have a guy to trust on his left side. As much as I like Krug, I like Krug a lot more when he's playing with Justin Falk. I think they fit Absolutely. much better together. So I think I, I feel like Pareko's just got to be the guy you throw on there. Do you think of any other defenseman that you would, you would put in the mix? As far as pairing him here with Pareko? Yeah, I mean, who do you who do you want to throw with him? Like Nick Letty, do you throw him out there? Do you throw Mikula out there? It's just rough. 
No, I mean, in the future, I would love to be able to see Mikola. Um, you know, I think we saw some pretty good chemistry here between the two of them here, you know, for stretches and periods of time. Um, Mikola is not ready here just yet. And, you know, that pairing here next to Pareko is the biggest question mark because as of right now here for me, Falk and Krug are my number one pairing mm-hmm. defenseman, defensive unit here at this point. So, um, you know, even though they're listed here as the second pairing unit here on the depth chart, and Pareko here is still listed here up on that top line unit. You know, there's, like you said, there's nobody that's in the, the blues system here just as of yet that can pair properly here with Pareko. And whether or not that's, you know, giving Pareko too much ice time, whether that's giving him too much responsibility or trying to turn him into something that he is not, that that's good to be seen. You know, he has been doing a lot better, um, you know, especially since we turned over to the calendar year. He has been playing a lot better defensively. There's still been some lapses here at this point in time. But, you know, that's one thing that Doug Armstrong is going to need to accomplish here in this offseason is to figure out who in the world is going to play in alongside Pareko and who is going to match here perfectly. Because, like you said, going out and getting Tory Krug, that was going to be a great, great option here for him. Um, and on paper, it made sense. You know, he was one of their Boston's prized possessions. And so matching him in along Colton Pareko was, again, on paper, going to be a great fit. But it just did not work out here for them. So um, really on paper, I'm sorry, you know, here, practically speaking, they don't have anybody. And that's that's the alarming part here going into next season. Yeah, I've liked what we've seen from Nick Letty. I just don't know what the shelf life is there. Like, how long is he going to be, you know, serviceable i don't know what we're going to get from him in the postseason i think letty probably stays in the third with with uh, bortuzzo and you probably have scandela and Pareko together and what i mean maybe they take it up a notch in the playoffs and finally find it but the problem is think about the matchups for scandela and Pareko in the last two playoff mm-hmm. series with vancouver they got just they were vancouver was just faster like what right. Horvat and Pedersen and Besser and Miller and Hughes did to the Blues in transition, I think that really signaled, okay, we got to become a better transition offensive team, which they have. And right. then last season, it's just Colorado, just a completely different level of hockey on the offensive end last season against the Blues. That's what it was. And it's been really hard matchups for Scandella and Preco. So I think a, a matchup against Minnesota for Scandella and Preco specifically, I think fits a lot better because they're not going to – I don't know if you throw them in again. You probably do throw. I think he will throw them against uh, against the Kaprizov line. I think he will. They will play against them. Right. But before we get too far into that, let's go ahead and start. You know, previewing this series and what it could be. And I, this is a series that is kind of quietly receiving a lot of hype because these two teams are very, very close in a lot of numbers. There's only separation in really one category where you're like, okay, one team has a significant advantage over the other, which is special teams. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think you throw the regular season out the window. I have the on the hockeywriters.com, which we both write for. We should probably note that so people can read our stuff as well. Um, I have a playoff preview piece coming out tomorrow before the series begins. I should say today, since we're still recording this day before. I got to get used to that part of it. Um, <laughs> but. But the Blues, they're three and zero against Minnesota. Two of those wins in overtime. They outscored them sixteen to twelve. They're averaging five point three three goals for, allowing on average four goals against. I mean, it. These teams know each other, so we right. know that. And I think, I think you look at the from a Blues perspective, you look at the three wins. You're like, okay, we match up well against them. We can score on their goaltending because remember, 
I know, I, I think it was sometimes Talbot, sometimes Capo uh, Kakinen last year, but the right. Blues scored a ton of goals against the Wild last season late. I think they had like an eight-goal game against them at the end of last season. So they've dominated them. They're 12-1-1 against them in the last three seasons. Um, but I think for the Wild, they just throw it out the window because playoff hockey's different. They showed flashes last year. They took Vegas to seven games. Vegas, who then beat Colorado. Um, so this is going to be a really interesting matchup. Uh, then you look at, I mean, you look at the most recent game between the two. The Blues are up four to one going into the third. They allowed it to get to four to three. I'm starting to freak out at that point. Buchnevich scores, makes it five to three. I'm like, okay, we're we're fine. And then Felino scores, and then of course Kaprizov scores. And I don't remember which goal it was. It might have been the Kaprizov one that made it five to five. Maybe one of yeah. the worst Colton Pareko turnovers I've ever seen. Like it was horrendous. He was behind the net, threw it to the corner, literally right. I think it was Zuccarello right to him, just tape to tape to Kaprizov right in the slot with nobody there. So Kaprizov's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem. He had 108 points. I mean, he's the best player to ever play for the Minnesota Wild. I'm very yeah. comfortable in saying that already. So um, what? Uh, let's before we get into some other questions we have about this series, what do you make of the regular season series and and what it means for both teams? I, I don't think you can be able to underestimate it. You know, I was there, um, not the most recent game, but two games here in, you know, where they took them to overtime. Um, it's, they're a fast team. They really, really get in your head here. They get into the offensive zone here. They do not allow the Blues Bill to make good transition passes. Um, you know, the Blues really have to just be here on their feet here more than anything. Um, all in all, they, they, the Blues cannot underestimate here this team. Again, they took them to overtime twice. The Blues were up two different times here at that point, and the Wild came back to be able to outscore them. You know, they didn't have Nick Letty here at that point. And something that the Blues can't underestimate here either, they have yet to see Marc-Andre Fleury here in net. So the Wild did not feel comfortable with Kako Kakinen here at this point you know, before they shipped him off here to San Jose and they brought in Marc-Andre Fleury, who we all know can, can be a, a deal breaker here for any other team going against them. You know, if they thought that they were going to just outscore any other opposition, you know, at this point they bring in Marc-Andre Fleury and Marc-Andre Fleury can be able to shut the door here for them. I don't believe he's played overly fantastic here for him, but it may or might not be a strategy here for the Blues, or for Minnesota here rather, that the Blues have yet to see Marc-Andre Fleury. So I don't know. Would Fleury end up getting a starting spot? Yet to see it here at this point. So, um, you know, I, I I don't overly like this series based on their regular season, but at the same point in time, um, I like that the Blues are going to come into this matchup here with a lot of swagger because they are going to look at this and say, you know what? We beat them 3 nothing. We know how to build the win. We know their team. We know their system. And we know we can be able to beat them. I would agree with those points for sure. I think that you definitely, I think Flurry is a guy that you do fear a little bit. Um, I, I get the impression that Flurry behind a Minnesota defense that isn't great, but it's, it's a, a heck of a lot better than what he had in Chicago. Um, right. I, he's, I mean, he, the Blues, when they play, I think you throw the games they played against Chicago with him and Ned out the window because the Blackhawks defensively were a train wreck this season. And and I think he, I believe he started, it was a Saturday night game in November, I believe. The Blues won one nothing or 2 nothing, and he was in net. So he almost stole that one. I know he had a lot of quality saves in that game. Uh, but I think Talbot's going to be their guy to start. 
I think Huso is going to be the guy for St. Louis. And I think they're going to look at it similarly where if either of these guys gets hurt or struggles, they make the switch. And uh, Talbot's earned it, I think, 32-12-4 with a 9-11 save percentage. And uh, he's got 28 quality starts out of 48 starts. And then as for Flurry, like you said, he's been solid but not that great since going to Minnesota. Uh, 9-10 save percentage, but they are 9-2-0 in those games, likely because there's just scoring a ton of goals. So, um, yeah, the goaltending is going to be a very interesting part of this matchup. Uh, what do you think about home ice and whether that plays a factor? I don't think it plays a huge factor. I mean, we've seen the Blues win here on home ice. We've seen them go into other other teams' barn, and we've seen them win here also. Um, you know, they're a very good road team here at this point. I, I don't think it matters here too much. You know, any single team has to be ready to go here at any single given point in time to be able to play on the road, to be able to play here at home especially when it comes time in the playoffs. The Blues have proven that they can be able to win at any single point in time. And so I, I just, I don't think it's really big factor. I mean, yourself. Yeah, I think, I think the Blues are a team that kind of this season, especially uh, compared to last season, at least, I think they'll embrace going on the road early um, more than other seasons. Maybe uh, I think they're much more balanced in terms of home and road. I think that the Wild are much, much better at home than they are on the road. And the Blues are better at home, I think, record-wise, but it's a lot closer. Uh, so we're gonna, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere in Minnesota. Obviously, hockey, very big deal there. Um, and we'll see. I think home ice plays a slight factor, but not a huge factor. It's not going to change who I pick to win this series. Um, so let's just match up all three levels. Let's look at the forwards. Both teams have depth. Blues, obviously, lots been made. Nine 20 goal scorers. Minnesota has six. They obviously have that one guy that can take it to another level with Kaprizov. How do you match up the forward lines and the forwards of each two of these teams? You know, um, I don't think that the Blues, they could stick Robert Thomas, you know, that Thomas Tarasenko Buchnevich line here up against the Wilds' top line, and that is just almost the kind of chaos that I hope happens, and I just want to see it just get put here into a blender here at that point. Um, and it's because you can be able to see that line as one of the most successful lines in hockey here at this point. You know, if they want to be able to go up against the Wilds' top line, again, I, I hope to just see that kind of chaos. Um, I don't think that any single one of the Blues lines that could play here right now would be out of place against any of the Wilds lines. You know, we have seen them all be very, very sound defensively, and we have seen them all score here at this point. Um, you know, especially with that resurgence here of the fourth line here for the St. Louis, I, I don't think that the Blues can have a bad option. So injury updates for the forwards in this series, Zuccarello and Felino were both skating this morning, I believe. So it looks like they'll both play. I know, Felino took that pretty nasty knee-to-knee hit uh, with McDermott against the Avalanche um, in the season finale for them. So I, I'm assuming both of them will suit up. It's the playoffs. And then it looks like Braden Shin's a go for the Blues. Right. So he'll be in there. Uh, now, before we move on to the defensive units, and I give the Blues an advantage with forwards. I think they're just a little bit better. I think they're a little bit deeper. And I think the third line of the Blues is what takes it to a different level for me because you have, like I said earlier, a 60-point guy, a 70-point guy, and a 24-goal veteran guy who's been there and done that with Shen. 
So mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the Blues' fourth line, it, it looks like as of right now, it's going to be Torpchenko, Bozak, and Walker leaving Brown, Joshua, pretty much those two on the sideline for this. What do you think of that? Would you make a change? Do you think there's going to be a short leash on the wingers? What do you make of the fourth line? I really enjoy Bozak. I enjoy his leadership, especially in the playoffs. I don't think that the Blues can give him a long leash here at this point. You know, I would much rather see somebody like, you know, matching up here with Torpchenko, Brown, and Walker. I think that would be a fairly decent, fairly decent go here for a fourth line at this point. Um, I I just don't think that Bozak has got the speed to keep up with it here at this point. And again, maybe they do go with him simply just because of the veteran leadership. But I, if I'm Greg Berube, I don't give him a long leash here at this point. I think he's good and he can be good in the corners, which you need in the postseason. I think he'll play a role in that. I really, really liked what Logan Brown did down the stretch. Yeah. He was bad against Vegas, and I think that did hurt him a little bit. Um, so I definitely – I think Walker deserves a chance. I think he could get inconsistent, though, and they could take him out uh, because Brown and Joshua are both playoff-like players. They can both mm-hmm. get in there and mix it up. And Torpchenko, I think, has done well because Torpchenko, the thing about him, you have the frame – but you also have the speed. He's a really good right. skater, and I think that's going to play a huge role for him and whether he gets to stay on the ice. So, yeah, I think the Blues have a better forward group. I give them the advantage, especially you look at the power play numbers. The Blues, uh, I believe, second in the league, Minnesota 18th on the power play. So that's a big advantage there for pretty much the forward groups. Uh, defensively, they're very similar. Um, I think the best defenseman in this series slightly leans in Minnesota's direction. I think Jared Spurgeon wildly underrated player I wrote that in that exact terminology in my article previewing it uh wildly mm-hmm. underrated which pun intended there um I, I think that Spurgeon is the best defensive player in this series on the back end but I think that the the units as a whole are pretty close but I think when it comes down to it the way the Blues have played I don't trust them at all not to say that I trust Minnesota that much but they just have the size a little bit more uh grit in the back end I like I like Brodeen's bounce back if he can come back from it, because his regular season wasn't great. Middleton's a guy that's not afraid to mix it up. Um, I think the Wilds defensive units a little bit better. Uh, what do you think of, of the defensive units? I give a slight advantage defensively to the wild here at this point. Um, you know, one of the additions that I was really hoping that Doug Armstrong was going to go out and acquire here was Jacob Middleton. You know, he's come in. 21 games, one goal, five points here. And, you know, I know that they don't plus minus gets a lot of, of hits and um, here at this yeah. point, but a plus seven here during all those games. Um, I don't think you can underestimate him. Um, you know, he's been solid here on that second pairing unit here alongside of Jared Spurgeon. And again, it's somebody that I was hoping that Doug Armstrong was going to get just to solidify that left-hand side. But, um, you know, again, I, I, I just give it here just ever so slightly to the Minnesota Wild. If you want to count offensively, I just give it to St. Louis. Yeah. You know, they are not afraid to be able to jump into those plays. Um, they can be able to come back here defensively. Like you mentioned here, your guy, um, Justin Falk, has been absolutely phenomenal. Be able to, to back check and get into the plays, be able to break them up here before they can be able to propose um, any sort of scoring threat here to the Blues. So, um, again, it really just depends on which aspect here that you're looking here at, especially because a lot of these defensemen are being asked here to be two-way players. Um, so offensively speaking, St. Louis, defensively speaking, Minnesota. 
I would agree. I think the Blues have three guys that you trust with the puck to move it. Krug, Falk, Letty. I mm-hmm. think all move the puck well. Uh, for Minnesota, Dumba's a guy. I I think he can move the puck. I don't trust him as much as I would trust the other three for St. Louis. Spurgeon, like I said, is a stud. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, so let's go to goaltending here. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give it to Minnesota because I just trust Flurry more than I trust Bennington. And Talbot was pretty good against Vegas last season in the playoffs. And then Huso's just never played in the playoffs. We don't know what he'll be. Now, will he be a Cam Ward? Will he be a Matt Murray? Will he be a Jordan Bennington? Maybe. I don't know. We you never know. Um, but I'm gonna go with the safer play. I think the wild slightly better in net. Uh, but if Bennington, you know, he's played pretty well. If he continues to play in some form or fashion of the way that he's played, I'd be okay with maybe picking the Blues. But I think the Wild have the advantage in net. Yeah, it just it's going to depend on who comes out. Um, and what I mean by that is who who's going to show up here in net for the Blues and how are they going to end up performing? And the same thing here goes for the Wild. I mean, both teams. Um, let's see, Billy Huso, nine games started, seven, one, and two here at this point with a 9-10 save percentage and a 305. We've seen Huso absolutely steal games, but we've also seen Huso, you know, give up some ugly looking goals um here, most notably here against Vegas. He's looked better, you know, here at this point. And so um, you know, it's a good thing that the Blues do have. Bennington to fall back here on. And, you know, I wrote a piece here not too long ago for the hockey writers as well saying, you know, the blues are going to absolutely need Bennington if they're going to make a successful playoff run. Huso has the ability to, to steal games. Huso has the ability to be able to lead the blues here at this point, but just to have that extra safety net, because, you know, like we were talking about Mark Andre Fleury here, he's right behind Huso was seven, two and oh, and nine Oh two save percentage and a three Oh one goals against. So, um, it just depends on who that they're going to truck out there because, you know, Cam Talbot hasn't looked much different. Let's see. He is in seven games here. Um, his most recent seven games, he is 5-0-2 with a 9-13 and a 2-41. He's looked pretty, pretty good here at this point. So on paper here as of late, Talbot's coming in as the hotter goalie, but I, I do not want to discount what Huso has been able to do here this season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because the playoffs are a different animal. We'll see what he what he does. Uh, let's get to it. The pick, the series pick. Um, I'd be pretty surprised the series doesn't go the distance, which is seven games. Um, I think I think there's a great chance that we get to six, and I think there's a good chance we get to seven. And I think at the end of the day, when it comes to scoring big goals and trying to hold Kaprizov in check in some way, which is like, what, nine points instead of like 15 in the series mm-hmm. just because of how ridiculous he is, um, I think the Blues can get it done. And this is a team that's hungry. You know, they, They've they lost in the first round back-to-back years after winning the Cup. They want to prove that they can still make a run. And this is the team to do it because offensively they have it all. Defensively, there's a lot left to be desired, but they're good enough to win a series or a round at least with this core. And they just got to get quality goaltending, which honestly, I thought probably after the first game or two of the series uh, against uh, Colorado last season, Bennington was much better after the first game or two. He settled in. They still couldn't win a game, but he was better. Um, so they just got to get better goaltending this season a little bit. In the in the early portion of the series, I think feel much more comfortable 
if they're able to win game one or two at Minnesota, you get one of those out of the way, you feel pretty good going home. Um, so I'm going to say the Blues win this series in seven. You know, that's exactly who I picked here, too. It, it's going to be an absolute nail biter to see who it would not surprise me if game seven went into overtime double overtime and everyone is on the edge of their seats here at this point um both teams it sounds really horrible to say on a blues podcast i would not be upset if i saw the minnesota wild win this series i have nothing against the minnesota wild they're a fantastic team and if we lost here to them if the team puts up a good fight, you know, I'll be greatly upset if we're absolutely just blown out at this point and it just it, it looks like that they don't even show up here for it. You know, that's where I'm going to be a little bit um, miffed here at this point. So um, it just it's just going to depend. But I would not be overly surprised to see St. Louis take this series seven games again, even in overtime here in, in a game seven. I do have a couple of friends on Twitter who are Minnesota Wild fans who rooted very hard against the Blues in 2019. So I do have trouble saying that I have nothing against them. I guess I don't have anything <laughs> against the team. I have something against the fans that I follow on Twitter and are friendly with that rooted against the Blues in 2019. Because I don't think if it was Wild versus Bruins in the Cup Final this year, I don't think I would root against the Wild. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm like, why are you rooting against the Blues? Never won a Cup at that point. I feel like it was a feel-good story for everybody. I thought the yeah. only people that were rooting against us were Boston and Chicago, but whatever. I, what can you do? And I'm still going to hold that grudge probably for the next decade, but it is what it is. Um, so it's yeah. going to be a really good series. It's going to be uh, really fun to watch because both teams are very evenly matched. I know that one side has played much better against the other for a few seasons now, but I think you throw some of that out the window going into this. Um, so let's do before we uh, do a couple. We'll do a couple of last segments here of episode one. Um, let's do the NHL playoffs as a whole are about to begin as well, since it's all beginning at once. Obviously, Monday, May second. Uh, just general predictions for the playoffs. Like for example, for me, I think Edmonton gets to the conference final. I think Carolina gets to the conference final. I think Toronto beats Tampa in seven. I think I honestly think the Oilers sweep the Kings. I think that then they beat Calgary in seven in a battle for Alberta for the ages. Um, I think the Rangers beat Pittsburgh, so another first round exit for Pittsburgh. I think Florida doesn't really cruise, but they kind of get to the the Cup final easily. And um, and then I think the Avalanche beat Edmonton in the Western Conference final. So my Stanley Cup matchup is Colorado and Florida. And I have Colorado in seven. I think they're due to win a cup with this core. I thought it was going to happen last season. It didn't. I think Kale McCarr is the Con Smythe winner. So those are kind of my general predictions for what I think is going to happen in this playoffs. Man, you this whole playoff could be easily th- every single person's bracket just thrown out the window here, here in round one here at this point. So, you know, again, as we just recapped, I've got St. Louis here winning this series. I've got Colorado here easily winning. I'm, I'm going to give Nashville one game here, at this I am point, too, yeah. but you know, five games here for Colorado is, is all I think that's going to end up taking. I don't think it's going to take much here for Calgary to win over Dallas. Dallas is going to give them, I think a little bit of a run. So I'm giving them here in six. Um, I, I actually do agree with you. I think that Edmonton can end up just sweeping um, the LA Kings here at this point in time. So um Let's see. Let me move over here to the East. Who else did I put down? I've got, this is going to be a tough, tough matchup here, but um, 
I've got Tampa Bay winning over Toronto here at this point. I think hockey Twitter would explode, and I think I the think city so of Toronto too. would be in trouble. Because I, they, I think so too. I think it's going to be a very, very close. I put I put them down here for seven. I think it's going to be done here in seven. But um, I've got Carolina going all the way here to the. Let's see. I've got them winning here over Boston. I've, like you said, I've got a first round matchup and a first round exit here for Pittsburgh with New York taking that. Shesterkin just going to end up being a monster here in that series. I think. Um, Carolina is going to go all the way. I've got them playing up against Florida um, here at this point for the Western Conference Finals. And uh, so I've got Florida and a little bit biased here at this point. I think the Blues could end up beating Colorado as deep as what they are. If the Blues can end up surviving this series here against Minnesota, I really like their chances up against Colorado at that point. So I've got the Blues up against Florida for our Stanley Cup finals. And uh, I won't say who I chose here for my for my Stanley Cup pick. Fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I think the Colorado series this season would be an easier – you could convince me that the Blues could beat Colorado in the playoffs much more this season than last season, even though I did pick the Avs to beat the Blues in six last season. Um, and it was obviously not that close. So. Yeah, I mean, it's going to – the Tampa-Toronto series is probably the most intriguing for me outside of the Blues Wild just because, like, on one end you could have a team, okay, they might win a third straight cup. They're going to be moving on. They beat Toronto. And on the other hand, it's like if Toronto doesn't get out of the first round this season, I mean, that's just going to be I, – I don't even know what you say at that point. I Because, like, this is the year because Marner had a monster season. Matthews obviously had the 60-goal season, so – if Toronto, I mean, geez, I can't even. It's, yeah, it's for me. It came down to goaltending. Vasilevsky is the best in the game because I trust him the most. Like Shosturkin had the best regular season, should be the Vesna winner. But how can you not trust a guy who just back to back cups and won a con Smythe? I mean, it's it's hard not to not to trust a guy like Vasilevsky who has been the best goaltender in the game for four or five years now. So. Um, consistently at least. So I think goaltending is definitely something that it will come down to because Toronto, shaky, shaky in net. They can score a lot. The defense is pretty solid in terms of, you know, the guys they have there in terms of what they do. Um, but, yeah, that's it's definitely going to be goaltending. I, I think Toronto wins in seven. I just think something's got to give. Like, they got to they gotta win a series, and I think they can win that one. But it'll be crazy. It'll be crazy. Uh, why don't we throw it over to the last segment of the show, which I believe you put together for this yep that's going to be our multiple choice segment here at this point so um four questions here for you ethan um anything ranging here from just some basic blues knowledge to just some little fun filled stuff here for you so let's test your blues knowledge so question number one which blues player had a cameo in the movie me myself and irene is it a brett hall B, Keith Kachuk, C, Brendan Shanahan, or D, Doug Waite? So I think this is the one that I don't have any confidence in knowing. Um, Because I feel like Brett Hole would be too obvious of an answer. Uh, Man, I'm just going to throw one at the wall, see if it sticks. I'm going to go C, Brendan Shanahan. 
Okay, so let's see. So let's move on to question two, and we'll circle back here to these answers. When was the Blues inaugural season? A, 1967, B, 1966, C, 1970, or D, 1966? This is A, 1967. Very confident. All righty. Three, how many seasons did Bernie Federko play for the Blues? 10, 13, 14, or 12? I believe that this is B13 before going to Detroit. All right. And number four, which team did the Blues acquire Chris Pronger from? A, Toronto, B, Hartford, C, New Jersey, and D, the Florida Panthers. This is B, Hartford, infamous trade, Brendan Shanahan, infamous. Awesome. All right. So number one. Which Blues player had a cameo in the movie Me, Myself, and Irene? The answer here is C, Brendan Shanahan. He All is right. actually seen as a state trooper in uh, in one of the police stations here. Actually, just talking here to a, I won't call her a guest, but you know, we'll we'll say you know as a uh, as somebody here at that point. So, uh, number two, Blues inaugural season, as you said, a 1967, absolutely. Part of the class here with the California Golden Seals. Three, how many seasons did Bernie Federko play with the Blues? The answer here to that one is B, 13. And of course here, number four, which team did the Blues acquire Chris Pronger from? B, the Hartford Whalers. So not too bad here, Ethan. Not too bad here. I'll take at all. it. I'll take it. I mean, you you did give. I mean, Pronger's one of my favorite players in the history of the franchise. So that was one where I was like, okay, I, obviously Hartford and the infamous deal, of course. Uh, Federko yeah. was one that I I was between twelve and thirteen because I've looked at his hockey reference page a lot because I've mentioned him in multiple articles, uh, historic ones at least. Right. Uh, Sixty seven. I knew that. Obviously, you know the. The, the class there that came in 67, obviously the Penguins there as well. So um, that was one that I got. And then obviously number one, I just guessed. And uh, Shanahan, I thought Hole would be too obvious. I didn't see Keith Kachuk as a movie guy. And I just was like, Doug Waite, I don't think that would be the answer to the question. So we'll go with Shanahan. So yep. Doug Waite would yeah. not have surprised me being in that movie. I mean, especially in the role that Brendan Shanahan played where, you know, he really didn't do next to anything. Here for this movie, so yeah. it would not have surprised me to see Doug Waits, you know, suit up here at that point, you know, just as uh, part of the Highway Patrol, you know, which would have been pretty enjoyable uh, seeing either Brett Hall or Keith Kachuk suiting up here for that as well. Would have been absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, I suppose that is it for us. Episode one of the Blue Note podcast, uh, covering all things St. Louis Blues and touching on some NHL stuff, of course. Um, on the Believe Network, you can find us there. You can find us on all the podcast platforms, of course. Um, I'm not sure when we'll be recording episode two, but it'll be in the midst or after the series as well. So we'll keep you posted on that on our Twitter at TBNPod. And then you can follow my Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. And you can follow your Twitter where? At Danger Powers 19. All right, that'll do it for us, and we'll see you next time on the Believe Network, the Blue Note Podcast, Episode 2, coming soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E 
AV on YouTube.